Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks again for joining us for this week's lesson in Ephesians. Today we're going to be finishing up chapter 1 in Ephesians and we're going to be looking at the prayer that Paul has for this faithful church at Ephesus. We're going to see that he wants them to have hope or a confident expectation in the things to come and for them to realize the power of God in Christ and how Christ is the head over us, the church. This is good news for us because the all-powerful God, who is also inside of us through the Holy Spirit, is the head of our church through Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Thanks again for joining us. Alright, open your Bibles to Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, so we're going to finish the chapter this week uh, as we look at Paul's prayer uh, that he prays for them for this church at Ephesus. So Ephesians chapter 1, we'll read verses 15 through uh, 23, and then we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this prayer. As we look at it, we're going to look at and see Jesus' power, and we're going to look at how we, as believers, we can have hope, and uh, we can look to the future with that hope, which is confident expectation, which we talked about, and we're going to see that Jesus is our our ruler of the church age. He's the head of the church, and he's all-powerful, which is important for us, okay? So let's read it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that God, or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits in all, or in all in all. Let's pray. Dear God, just come before you. Thank you for this day that you've given to us. I pray that we look at this. Uh, you'd encourage or convict us as needed, God, and you'd help us to understand um, just that Christ is the head of the church, and he is all-powerful, and we should find hope and um, strength in that, and just that we would give you thanks for that as well, God. And we pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when it comes to, like, leaders, powerful leaders and, like, strong leaders, uh, there's a lot of great ones throughout history, and one of my favorites is Hannibal, okay? Who, who knows who Hannibal is? Anybody? Okay, all right, a couple of you know who Hannibal is. Okay, he was one of, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, but I think he's the greatest general of all time. Okay? There's a lot of people that would agree with me on it, so I'm not just like saying that. But I think he was the greatest general of all time. He was a general of the armies of Carthage. Okay? And when Rome was young, okay, Rome, like you guys all know who Rome is, right? All right okay. When Rome was young and they were conquering, the, one of the biggest countries was Carthage. Yeah. Wasn't he the first person to use war with him? Yeah. Hannibal, not Rome. Yeah, Hannibal was. 
Okay, so Carthage, and they were actually, Carthage was known for their war elephants, okay, because of that reason. So, war elephants? Yeah, they would ride on the backs of elephants, and they'd have their archers up there, they'd build these little, like, tower, not really tower, but little boxes on top, and they'd shoot their arrows out of I these elephants. That, really cool. I don't know why that makes me laugh. And they would teach their elephants, this is side, to, side note, but they would, te- they would actually teach and train their elephants like they would horses, so they teach them to tra- charge in between, like, the ranks of the enemy and, like, tear the ranks up with their tusks and all that cool stuff. It was pretty cool. But anyway, Hannibal. Hannibal was a great general, and when Rome was young, and they were very powerful, and they were taking over a lot of countries, there was a country called Carthage. Okay, And Carthage was huge, and it was powerful, and actually, they probably would have beaten Rome and become the world power if it weren't for uh, some political stuff that was going on behind Hannibal's back. He actually didn't even get the troops that he needed. Like, there were people that didn't like Hannibal because he was the wrong political party. It's kind of like Democrats and Republicans or whatever. So they didn't send him troops because he was of the other political party. And so they're, I mean, they got destroyed because of it. So he was one of the greatest generals. He took on legions of Romans. But one of his greatest feats was his crossing of the Alps. Okay, the Alps are a mountain range, right? And so he takes a ton of these troops, these elephants, okay, horsemen, uh, foot soldiers across the Alps. And it's super dangerous, and it's super cold, and tons of people die, tons of people get frostbit. But this whole time, Hannibal is crossing with his men. He's in the front, he's in the front line doing it with them. And they say he never lost his courage. He was always like, hey, we can do this, you know, and he'd go through and he'd actually talk to his men and encourage them and lift them up. And he was a very, very strong, strong leader. And the reason I share that. Uh, is because Paul here, he starts praying for this church. And what he ends up talking about, what he ends up encouraging them with in his prayer, is the authority of Jesus Christ and the power that Jesus Christ has. And Jesus is actually the leader of the church. Like Hannibal was the leader of the Carthaginian army, Jesus is the leader of the church. And it's exciting and hopeful uh, for us as believers and as part of the church because we're under great leadership, right? And I think that that's important to remember. And so let's look at his, this prayer. It goes from 15 to 23. Okay, and we're going to start in verse 15. I'll read it again. It says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which, is, which exists among you, and your love for the, for the saints. So Paul starts, and he says, Hey, the you there is the church at Ephesus, right? So he says, For I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, Okay, so this church had believed in Jesus for eternal life. They've had this faith, which is, exists among you, and your love for all the saints. So remember in week one, I don't know if you guys remember this far, but it was a long time ago, we talked about how this church at Ephesus was a faithful church. Okay, they weren't just a church that was like, hey, they believed in Jesus for eternal life, and they did whatever they want. They were actually doing good things. And Paul told them that. He's going to encourage them to keep doing things throughout this letter, good things. But here he says it again. He says, hey, I heard about your faith in Jesus, and then I heard about your love for the saints, so the things that you're doing for other believers, or how you're treating other believers, that love there. And I heard about that. And because of that, in verse 16, he says, I do not cease giving thanks, or I don't stop giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul says, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you all the time. I'm praying for you all the time. So in his opening, you know, he says, hey, I know who you guys are. I know that you're faithful, and I'm praying for you. 
I'm praying for you all the time. And this alone could be application for us because how often, we need to think in our lives, how often are we praying for other believers? Okay, how often are you praying for your friends in Christ? How often are, you know, is Millie praying for Jillian? Jillian for Millie and that kind of thing. Are we praying for uh, believers, other believers? And to, we're not really going to talk about or spend time on that today, but that could be an application as well. Do we pray for spiritual and godly things for each other, not just physical things? Okay, because Paul's going to go through and he's going to pray here. He's going to pray for um, spiritual stuff for him, uh, which we'll look at. Okay, and he says... <clears throat> He goes on and he, and he talks about how he's going to pray for, for their wisdom from God from them. Okay? And, and he hopes that God uh, will give them this wisdom. Okay? If you read on, it's in verse 17. It says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. Now, he's not praying here that they would get the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you go back to verse 13, we talked about it last week. He already says, You have the Holy Spirit as a pledge and a seal. So he's not praying that they would get the Holy Spirit, but he's praying that they would have a spirit of wisdom. Okay, wisdom comes from whom? God, right? So he's praying that he would, they would have wisdom from God. In verse 17, wisdom from God, that's what he's praying for, not that they would get the Holy Spirit. And he's praying that they'd have wisdom to realize uh, and understand these spiritual things. Okay, What are the spiritual things that he's just talked about? Well, he's just talked about all the blessings that they have in Christ, right? He talked about how they were... As a body and as a church, we're chosen, and we're chosen for service, uh, to be holy and blameless in service for God. He's talked about how we're all sons. We're adopted as sons in the body. Remember that? He talked about forgiveness and redemption, freedom that we have in Christ. Uh, he talks about wisdom, how we have a wisdom in this age, in this dispensation, inheritance. Okay, And we talked about that, how we get entrance into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. So that's a blessing. We talked about the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing that we have. So he says, hey, all these blessings, I want you guys to have wisdom, okay, and of uh, wisdom from God, okay, of him. And then he goes on to talk about it even more in depth. And I think all of them, all these things kind of go back to these blessings that Paul, or that we all have in Christ as a church. Okay, when we realize these blessings and we see these blessings, okay, which we just talked about for two weeks, Okay, it gives us hope, which is a confident expectation in the things to come. Uh, and it shows us the riches of the inheritance that we are to Christ and that we will get as well. And it helps us have faith in God's power because we're going to see God's power throughout. Okay, so the first thing that he really prays for is in verse 18. Okay, verse 18 says, let's look at it. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of the calling, which is the riches of glory and inheritance in the saints. Okay, like I said earlier, hope is the eager expectation. That's the first thing that Paul prays for these people. He says, hey, you're, you're a church, you're a faithful church, you believe and you're faithful, and I want you to have a confident expectation in the future. Okay, confident, how can we, why can we have a confident expectation in the future? Because God's told us what's going to happen, right? Is Jesus going to come back? Did he say he's going to come back? Yes. Yeah, we can have confident expectation in that, right? That's what hope is, it's being a confident Expectation that something is going to happen. All of us look forward to things um, in our life, right? Whenever I was a little or younger, I looked forward to Christmas. I still look forward to it a lot. But I looked forward to Christmas. I looked forward to opening presents. And I was hopeful. Okay, And I wasn't hopeful in the way that, like, I hope I that we do Christmas this year. Like, I knew we were going to do Christmas. 
but I had a hopeful expectation, like I was expecting to do Christmas the next morning on Christmas Eve, right? I expected to wake up and open presents, okay? Um, on the weekends, okay, I expect sometimes to have a day off and spend with my family, and I get excited about that, right? Because I know it's going to happen, and I'm excited for it. There's times that we, uh, we get excited for, like, vacations. On Thanksgiving, I'm going to, um, Lord willing, we're going to, what is it, Gulf Shores Beach? Yeah, we're going to Gulf Shores. And I'm excited about that, and I'm not hoping for it like, ah, I just, ah, I just hope it happens. I'm like, it's like it's paid for. Like, we've already paid for it. It's already there. It's already set. You know what I mean? It's going to, it's going to, I mean, it could not happen, okay? Which is unlike Christ coming back. It will happen. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm expecting that to happen. Like, there's a confident expectation there. So, like, what are some things that, like, I know I don't always ask for feedback from you guys. But, like, what are some things that you guys expect or, like, are excited about happening in the future? Let's hear Senior camp. Senior camp. Yeah, coming right around the corner. My birthday. Your, when's your birthday? September. I always get excited about my birthday. I like autumn and birthday. <coughs> autumn birthday is in two days, right? Are you excited about that? And presents. Yes. Millie? The lock-in. You excited about the lock-in? The lock-in's fun. Yeah. Fourth of July. You know, the Fourth of July is my favorite holiday. We, as a family, we used to put on the biggest fireworks show in Kansas. Okay? Because we used to own firework tents. And so we, like, obviously had a ton of fireworks. So then we put on this, in one year we had like, I think 300 people out to our farm for the fireworks show and like dinner and stuff, like, you know, hot dog, like 4th of July stuff. But I love 4th of July too. So yeah, I'm confidently expected and excited about 4th of July as well. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying that he really hopes, or he really is praying for, not hopes, he really is praying for uh, their hope or their expectation in the calling. Okay, he's saying, hey, I, my prayer for you guys is that you confidently expect what you're called to. You confidently expect what you're called to. You confidently expect that Jesus is coming back. You confidently expect that you're going to get inheritance in heaven one day. You confidently ex uh, expect that these things are happening. And what happens when we confidently ex expect something that is really good? We get excited about it. Right? And we know that what's coming for us in the future is good. When Christ comes back, is it going to be good? Yeah. Yeah, it will for us, right? And when the thief on the cross, we talked about this last week, uh, Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise. It's going to be great. Right? He's, he went to go prepare a place for us, right? It's going to be great. So Paul's saying, hey, hi, my prayer for you guys as a church is that this confident expectation that you have, that's going to grow, and you're going to be eagerly awaiting Jesus Christ coming back. Okay, and sometimes that's hard for us, especially for me, because like, um, like sometimes life here, life is good, right? Like, who likes VBS? That was that was a good week, right? And who likes camp? That was a good week, right? So these are good week. Uh, who likes their birthday? It's a good day. And so sometimes, <laughs> who doesn't like sometimes, that? yeah, who doesn't like their birthday? But sometimes when we're in this life, like, man, God has blessed us so much in this life. Okay? And so it's like, it's hard to get excited about Jesus coming back because I'm still excited about this life that I have right now. You know what I mean? But when Jesus comes back, it's going to be so much even better than this. 
You know what I mean? And we, when we have that right perspective and that right view, then we get excited about it. So that's what Paul's saying. Hey, I want your hope, your confident expectation. I want it to be there. I want you guys to see it. Okay, that your eyes will be enlightened or your heart, your, eye, your heart is like your mind, right? Your mind is going to be enlightened or shown, okay? Uh, so that way you can confidently expect that this is going to happen. Meaning just that you would understand that it is better and it is going to happen. And this great thing is, is coming. Okay, and so he wants that hope for them. The second thing is the inheritance. Look at the end of verse 18. He says, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, who's, who's the his there? Who's the his? That his is Jesus. Um, and he's saying, hey, I want you guys to see what his inheritance is, which we'll talk about in a second. When we talk about inheritance, though, okay, inheritance, what do you guys, who do you guys think is like one of the biggest or the biggest person who, or the biggest inheritance that somebody left, at least popular ones, or something you can think of? Like when some woman to his son? Well, yeah, so well, yeah. Money always Who? Well, yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, when you guys think of big names, like, who, le- who left their sons and daughters a bunch of money? Who? Millionaires. Your grandma? Yeah. What about, uh, anybody ever heard of Sam Walton? Who, what, who's Sam Walton? The owner of Walmart and Sam's Club and all those. So he owns all of that. Okay, so when he died, he, when he died, he left one of the biggest inheritances ever. Because he was so rich, okay? He was so rich, he left this huge inheritance, I mean, billions and billions of dollars to his family, okay? And to this day, the Walton family is still one of the richest families. I mean, talking family-wise, they, I think they are the richest family, but one of the richest families on the earth, okay? Not the richest individual anymore, because Sam died, but richest families on the earth. It's crazy. What about the richest, like... Well, there's not very many people out in space, okay? So, the inheritance here, okay, he says at the end, he wants this church to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, he wants them to know the riches of that inheritance. So, what is the what is Jesus' inheritance? What is Jesus? No, what is Jesus' inheritance? He inherits us. He inherits us in the saints. We are the saints, the believers. Who is the head of the body of Christ, or the body of the church? Jesus. He inherits us. We are his possession. He gets us. He's our leader, guys. And he, Paul says, I want you guys to know that you're, you're a part of this inheritance. And it's rich. It's rich. Okay, now, we're also going to get inheritance. Okay, that's not what he's talking about right here, but we're going to get inheritance too. Okay, we're going to get inheritance like a home in heaven just by believing in Jesus for eternal life. We also could gain rewards, which you could call that an inheritance uh, by doing good works. But here he's saying, hey, Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. You're his. And that's comforting to us, guys. I mean, to me it is. It's like Jesus, the all-powerful God, creator of the universe, and I'm his possession. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, no, 5.21, or something like that. I can't remember because I didn't actually think about this verse, but I have it memorized, I think. But anyway, it talks about Jesus and how we are his own possession. 
And we're, we're a people that are supposed to be zealous for good works. The church, zealous for good works, who are Jesus' own possession. We are his people. And Paul says, hey, I want you, faithful church at Ephesus, to remember that you're Jesus's, and that's rich. Okay? Jesus considers you a treasure. We just talked about that in uh, uh, VBS, right? But he considers you his treasure. You're his riches. Okay? And I think that's important to remember. And then finally... Okay, and the rest of the rest of this passage, the rest of this prayer, Paul talks about this. He talks about the power. Look at verse 19. He wants us to remember, have that confident expectation. Remember that we are Christ, we are his inheritance. And then he starts talking about the power of Christ. Look at verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his, Jesus' power, towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of his strength and his might, which he brought about in Christ, and God brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things into subjection under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, so right here he starts out and he says, hey, God is all-powerful. Okay, I said that his there at the very start was uh, Christ, but that's actually talking about God. So he says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power, God's power towards us who believe? Okay, this is important because God can't do what he says he can do if he doesn't have the power to do it, right? Now, how is God's love made manifest? You guys know what manifest means? Manifest means shown. Yeah. Okay, so how is God's love made manifest or shown? By Jesus dying on the cross. By Jesus dying on the cross, right? Now, God shows love in a lot of ways, right? But that was like the culmination of it all. Like when he sacrificed himself for us, that showed us his love for us, right? Even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, that showed us his love. How was Christ, God's power made manifest or shown? How was God's power shown? Yeah. Him rising from the dead. Yeah, so he showed his love and his power in that, in those three days. He showed his love by sacrificing himself for us, even though we didn't deserve it and we're still sinners. And then he showed his power in, in conquering death and rising from the dead and God raising him from, from the dead. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here. Okay, in verse 20 when he says he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him above all else. Right? This is the same power that he uses towards us. Okay, in verse 19, look what he says. What is his surpassing greatness power towards us who believe? What does this mean? Towards us who believe. How does it show his power towards us? What do you say in verse 13? Who do we have inside of us? The Holy Spirit. Does that Holy Spirit, does that Holy Spirit, God, have the same power that raised Christ from the dead? Yes. So do you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside of you? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Another empire? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. His Holy Spirit, okay, God is living inside of us, and Christ is with us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. So he has that power that he's shown towards us, and that power brought Christ out of the grave. Okay, now, that's talking all about God and how he was the most powerful. Then look at verse 21. Okay, this is talking about Jesus now because it says, at his, uh, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly place, raised him from the dead, raised Christ from the dead, and put him far above 
all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things into, uh, into subjection under his feet, gave him head over all things that is a church. So God said, I'm putting Jesus in charge of everything. I'm putting Jesus in charge. Now, Jesus is God, and we can't, can't comprehend that. But God the Father says to God the Son, I'm putting you in charge of everything. You're above every single thing. There's nothing that is not and will not come under the subjection or under the authority of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is important to remember because what did we just say? Jesus is the head of the church. Who's the church? He's our leader. And he's over everything. And everything. It says in Romans, every knee will bow to Christ. And every tongue will confess to God. Yeah. So... It's important to remember because we are his inheritance. We are his people, and he is our leader. And he is the most powerful thing, being, there is. And not only is he the most powerful being, but God's given him all authority. So he's powerful, and he has the authority to do it. Okay? So we're blessed as a body. Okay? We're blessed as a body. Jesus is all power. He's the all-powerful leader of the church. He's the head of the body. That's what it says in verse 22. And all things are going to come under him. So... What does all this mean for us? Well, first, I think it all goes back to hope. We should have a confident expectation in the things to come. Why? Because Jesus has the authority and the power to do what he says he's going to do, and what he says he's going to do is good. Right? Yeah? Okay, so he's promised us good things. Okay, and because he's promised us those good things, and he has the power to fulfill, and he never lies then we should have a confident expectation and excitement for the future, no matter what it brings, right? No matter what it brings in this life, we should have that hope. Okay, he's the all-powerful leader, and we need to remember that. And I, I think we should also kind of remember that, like, Jesus is our leader. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we're like, yeah, Jesus and God. And it's like, it's there. Like, yeah, we know they're above all things. But, like, Jesus is specifically the leader of us. He's our leader. And, uh, one of the Timothys, it says that he's the one that's actually going between. He's the mediator between us and God. Jesus is our leader. He's here for us. It says in Hebrews, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Okay? And Jesus, if you look at his life on earth, he was so compassionate and so loving. And he loves you guys, and he loves me, and he's our leader. You know, And that's a cool thing to think about. It's a cool thing to remember. And so what it should do for us is give us that hope, that confident expectation. And as we will continue to see through this, and we'll eventually get to it in chapters three or chapters four, five, and six, it should inspire us to do good things. Okay? Because what even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as rent. So if our leader, our leader, Jesus Christ, came to earth to serve us, how much more should we serve other people? Right? He's our leader. We're supposed to be doing what he's doing. And he's the one that was serving us. So we should be serving other people. And we'll get more into that as the teaching goes on. But today, let's just remember the power, remember the hope, remember that we're his, uh, and we're his inheritance. And I think that uh, that'll be good things for us to renew our minds with this, this week. Sound good? Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions, 
regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.